Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are, new series, series 10. This is all about filling your funnel, prospecting the things that I think salespeople hate to do the most. Uh, and it's proven by all the requests that I get from people on how can I do this? How can I make this easier? I, I can't tell you all the variations of the questions that I've been asked about solving for this in a big picture way. And that, quite frankly, it's just impossible. So we've got three shows that we're dedicating to helping you learn uh, how to better fill your funnel and to create that kind of uh, a mindset around such. So we're focusing on three groups of people today and tomorrow and next week and the next week, but it's really the inside rep who makes a bunch of calls, meetings, or is trying to qualify ops. It's the territory rep who has somewhere between 250 and 1,000 accounts and what I would call a core rep of some sort that, that probably manages anywhere from 20 to 50 accounts in the upper mid-market space, as we would have said it back in the Microsoft days. Yeah, agreed. I think the enterprise rep that has one or two accounts, I think that's just a fundamentally different approach. So I think this is a, a good group to start with. Perfect. So no offense, enterprise reps, but we're intentionally omitting uh, the way you would prospect today. But if you want us to make a show on that, we'll be happy to do so in the future. So this week, uh, the title of the episode is A new, Bez new Business Mindset, and it really is something that I think too many people take their eye off of and have to get back to over and over and over again. Brian, surely you have a story yourself, maybe, uh, and maybe other reps where they have hit the home run. They have had the windfall deal, and three months after that windfall deal happens, they have a half of a year where nothing happens. Ever have something like that happen? Well, yeah, and I think that's why the these days in enterprise tech sales, no one, if, if an AE has a great year, let's say, even a, even a great first year, everyone says, yep, that was a great year, but let's see them repeat that. And it's, it's to your point, Bobby, it's, it's uh, this job is both measured in, being able to close business, but also being able to run a sustainable business and running a sustainable business includes that really tough work, arduous work of prospecting into new customers. Great. So we broke this episode down into really three parts. There's no technology that's going to simplify your prospecting. There's really no way to automate it, but we have a few tips on how you can get some help with it. And then there's no excuse to not know your story and have it down pat so that you can always be prospecting as well. So we'll jump right into it. So it. there's no technology, and, and there's probably been a million attempts, and there's probably a million pieces of, of sales material on your Facebook wall or LinkedIn page that says, we can help you automate, or this technology will do your prospecting for you. But there's just no such thing. Um, I've told this story on the podcast once before, but when I was promoted to be a manager at Dell, I walked into a team meeting, sat down, first team meeting, and I told them that over the last few weeks when I was working through taking the role, I convinced the leadership team to give us $3 million to help us cover our gap. That $3 million was going to be used to prospect. Uh, we were going to get to use it however we wanted to see fit, 
and I wanted the team's input on how we we're going to use it. And then I told them that that $3 million was the 15 people that were in the room with me and their salaries, right? I think people forget very often that the sales team is the prospecting engine. There is, they're paid, in most cases, lots of money. And I don't know that that math works exactly for that team that was in that room that day, but it was that team and that extended team and the fees we pay partners. We, we had a huge budget that we were paying for this virtual team, and that virtual team was the team that needed to go prospect. Brian, I know you lead a team today, but what is your view on who should be doing that prospecting uh, in your market? I mean, it's the same with us 100%. We have CSDs. The CSDs are responsible for uh, calling in and helping to arrange meeting with potential new customers. But if you depend on that CSD for your success, you will not be successful. You 100% have to uh, be in charge and run your business. Your territory is your business. You are a franchise owner, and, and it's just kind of the way to look at it. What is CSD? I'm, I'm, that's the new term. Oh. Uh, that is customer sales development. Okay, so an inside rep. Know. Inside rep. Inside yeah, rep. Inside rep. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. Inside, inside rep. rep. Fancy workday terminology for the inside <laughs> rep. Uh, because no one wants to just be called an inside rep. They would much rather be called the CSD that no one knows what it stands for. But it's right. true. I mean, we all probably have some form of, of inside rep. They're all up and comers. They're learning how to manage it, uh, manage an account and kind of work through it. They're great people, but they can't, they can't, in today's world, they can't impact business much. If you think it's hard to prospect when you have an expense an expense account, you're out in the field and you have the ability to do it, it's much harder for someone to pick up the phone and, and make a lot of headway. But it is the people that are in the field. So it is you, the individual sales rep in the field. So I don't think there's any math that technology could drive this stuff, but I put together this thing that says one call does not equal one meeting and one email does not equal one meeting. So it is a is a uh, bigger, bigger game. You have to have it always operating in your wheelhouse that you're making calls, that you're sending emails, that you're working with partners, you're driving it. Just as, it, as, a, as you, Brian, being a new rep, you went to London, had no history, had no relationships, had no... Hey, we did business in the past, X, Y, Z. What was your mindset about prospecting or helping your team prospect? What Did you have any big approach that you took on early on? Well, I think, yeah, so my situation was a little unique, but it was very much around both helping the inside sales team and the account executives with messaging because they, you know, London is this really aggressive market. If you work in, I, I kind of look at it like New York or Chicago to where there's a lot of competition. It's a young workforce. London is very much that. And if you're, if you're an account executive that's not prospecting and you're just depending on deals to come in inbound, you will fail in the first six months. So the, London is full of very aggressive account executives that, that prospect all day long. So what I did there was very much a helping to develop messages and then I don't want to get too far ahead in, in, in the episode here, but it's it's to help them with pitches too. So when you catch somebody, you know, you work so hard to get that first meeting set up or to make contact with the prospects, uh, it's a lot to do with the message that you have available and ready to go as well. Yeah, and back to the math real quick. If, if you did have one meeting because you had one phone call, then then you would make more phone calls to have those meetings. 
But then you'd be writing your meetings, and, and the meetings that weren't just easy or super successful would be the ones you wrote off. And I think that's really where prospects have been in the past. Well, they, they don't want to meet with us. They're too hard to talk to. If you work for big companies, we have probably all are aware of a company that doesn't do business with us. And people just don't call them because it's hard. you got to find a way to call them. you got to find a way to interact with those hard customers. This is not a one-and-done effort. This is something that is a long-term journey that you it's- have to put in the effort. It's very much looking at, you know, when you when you put together your territory plan, and we did a whole series on this, you have to look at your, your book of business, whether, like you say, you're a territory rep or an account executive with 50 customers, and, and realistically look at what does it take you to get to your number every year. And uh, maybe, maybe it's win 20 deals. Well, then how many deals do you have to be involved in to win those 20 deals? Maybe it's 40 deals. All right. Well, how many customers do you need to? How many meetings do you need to have to have forty deals? You know, maybe that's eighty meetings. It's it's really. I think the math to me, Bobby, is all about uh, if I if I'm realistically looking at achieving my number or doing two hundred percent of my number, I work the math backwards. I need to have, let's say, it's a hundred good meetings every year. Well, uh, you know, how many phone calls is it going to take to set up that number of meetings? That's where the math starts and ends with me. Uh, and it's got to with the, uh, the the best reps, I think, look at their business that way. Good call out. And to, to that point, I would say once you do get that customer that's engaged and, that, and maybe that deal gets bigger, I think that's where people take their eye off the ball from a prospect. If yeah. you take just peel back of that onion you just built for us and say, where's my prospecting time going to be spent? They find a customer that's engaged, that wants to talk to them, that wants to buy the product, that doesn't know how much and how big it's going to be yet. Then they get distracted by that. They put all their eggs in that basket. They tell their manager about that deal. And what happens is, let's just say, worst case scenario, that one person that loves your product isn't the decision maker. Well, then everything you've prospected into for the last month or so is then dead. You can't. You can't just throw one line in the water, as a fisherman's example, in sales, get a bite, fight that bite for you know the, the morning, and then not bring any food home. You've got to find a way to put more lines in the water. Uh, and that's probably going to be about the story. We'll talk about that story in just a minute. But before that, we got to remind you about Pigeon TV. Uh, this is We've been in, in this for a few weeks now, and hopefully some of you want some real money. But that's pijn.tv. Subscribers to Pigeon TV are entered in a weekly raffle for thousands of dollars in prize money. So, Brian, tell us how it works. Yep, Pigeon TV delivers short video content on a weekly basis that explains the insight behind a relevant emerging tech vendor. We love what they're doing. Uh, Phil Wilhelm was an early guest on the Tech Sales Show. He's a great friend of the show. He and the Pigeon TV team are doing even more for the Tech Sales Show listeners. So if you go to pigeon.tv, again, that's P-I-J-N dot TV, subscribe and enter TSS in the promo code. TSS stands for Tech Sales Show. You'll automatically get double the number of entries for their weekly prize raffle. Perfect. Pigeon TV is the insight you need regarding emerging tech companies, along with the prize money you deserve. Go subscribe today. Takes 30 seconds. Go do it. It's uh, These are great short video trainings on new and up-and-coming companies. It's really cool stuff what they're doing. So there is no technology. That was segment one of this podcast. But there are a lot of things that you need to be doing and thinking about to, to create that prospecting engine for yourself. If there's no technology, there's really no way to automate your prospecting either. 
I uh, still am pretty active on Quora from time to time, answering sales questions. Uh, go check us out. I'm sure Brian's still ahead of me because of his great answers. But uh, if you if you do answer anything on Quora, you start getting asked via email to answer questions on the topics that you've answered in the past. And just last week, I got an email that said, "Can you answer so and so's question?" And the question was, "How do I automate all of my sales prospecting so I don't have to do it?" And I, I didn't even think to respond to that question because there's just no no freaking way that you can automate it. If there was, people, we would not have a podcast. You would not have a job. There would be no need for salespeople because it is what you do. It is. And, I, you know, I think the uh, – when I when, as I think about automation and how do you apply technology to this, the, the only thing I can think of is we did a show or really a series uh, around productivity, sales productivity. I think – People that are inefficient with how they spend their time during the day tend to be inefficient prospectors too. So take a second too to, to step back and, and look through or listen through some of the podcasts we did on sales productivity because I think if you have a very unorganized, unstructured approach um, and you're, you're, you're looking for some sort of Hail Mary way to, to automate your prospecting, you're, you're never going to find it. I think if you can really work to, to help yourself be more uh, productive uh, you'll find much more time to be uh, prospecting. I've been asked this question by every team that I've ever had, not maybe in that exact same way, but we're spending so much time doing X, Y, and Z, whatever X, Y, and Z is. If we could just spend a little bit of budget and have some meetings set up for us, whether uh, it's always first and foremost in my mind, if we had more inside sales help. And I always ask, you know, when was the last time you had truly a CSD or an inside rep that was, killing it that it was the the investment was really worth it other than preparing them to be a rep in the field one day there's not there's not a lot of needle changing meaning they're not throwing the needle from one side to the other by just having a rep that it it ends up being taking work off the plate and then nothing happens there are some companies that i've engaged with that you can pay anywhere from 200 to a thousand dollars for what would be considered by contract a qualified meeting and they pound their phones and they set up these meetings and they're 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 by 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 contract they're qualified but they're rarely qualified to the level that you need them to be qualified um so there's ways that you can get that help but i've never seen it really work and if everybody talks to mentors and friends of theirs that are many years ahead of them in sales no one's going to have a hail mary story on a deal that was found and won by an inside sales rep making a phone call that i can think of maybe one or two long-term or that an outsourcing agency found them a meeting that was the home run. Like I don't think that's ever happened. And so I don't think you can automate it unless you lead the charge. So back to the territory planning uh, podcast series we did, I think you have to, you have to create the vision for the virtual team and break down your customer list on, on what the penetrated or the established business accounts are. And then if we think about the people we're talking to today, that's that's your install base. Call them. Continue to call on them. Make sure they're happy, not just when it's time to renew, but throughout. You know, put them in a call schedule. And then the people that kind of buy some of your stuff, you know, start start really educating them. Have your virtual team uh, start calling on them. I would call those friends of the family, right? They're people that, that really are engaged with you in your business. So why not try and go expand that? But you got to be thoughtful. You can't just say, how many more do you want to buy? you got to really help your team with those messages. And I think Brian's going to share some of his stories with how he did that when he went to London with some of their established base. 
and or penetrated base. And then I think it's the partner community that they're both both friends and foes, right? You've got to find sometimes you're going to have to find a partner that sells competitive stuff. Most people don't like that, but if you find them, they'll know where where the people are. Maybe they're ready to make a change themselves, and you can get some help from them. So it's really three tiers. It's the 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 established customers in any way, shape, or form, or white space. Put your virtual team on some of it. Put your partners on some of it. But you call some of it. And if you're constantly doing that, you don't take your eye off the ball. I do think you'll you'll find that your funnel is getting full. Another dimension to this too, Bobby, is there. There's a lot of if, if you're an account executive that is not heavily prospecting in, you're going to probably be working bad deals. And you talked about it before when you talked about putting all of your eggs in the basket of one big deal or medium-sized deal and then being so disappointed when the timeline gets pushed or a decision maker can't make the decision you hope for. If you are prospecting uh, very little, uh, you're going to be very desperate for opportunities and you're going to chase bad stuff. Not only is that cost of sell high for the company you work for, it's not going to yield high-value opportunities for you. But if you're the AE that's always always prospecting, you're going to be dismissing quickly opportunities you know aren't worthwhile investments. You're going to come off more. Um, you're going to project a better image so that companies will want to work with you. I just, there's just a, I don't know, you, you, you know, we, we've all worked with these people uh, that are great at prospecting, and there's an air of confidence I think they have to them. No doubt. I would say most people that I see, most reps that I see, they do more of the same. What's the definition of insanity? Continuing to try the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And it, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's a safety zone. Maybe I feel safe in that zone where I only do that. Um, in my last six months at Dell, they, they tapped me to chase some very hard accounts. And I think I don't think that's something that I'm especially good at. I think it's something that I'm not especially afraid of trying to do. So you pick up the phone, you call people that are engaged, you tell them how you can help them. You don't ask them for a whole bunch. You truly put yourself in the customer's shoes and say, what would they want to hear that would be crazy for them not to listen to as it relates to what's going to help their business? And if you put some stories together around this stuff, they're going to talk to you uh, and they're going to listen. And if it's not you, then it's going to be those people that are engaged. So um, I cracked an account that we've never sold anything in the data center to uh, in those last few months. And I suspect they'll sell millions and millions of dollars worth of technology to them over the next few years because I put a story together that resonated and used a little bit of luck and a whole lot of, of natural pull with other people that had relationships that, that got me in the door. And I think that's possible to do in any account, anywhere in the country, any sales cycle, any sales stage. Um, you just you just can't think of it as you doing it by yourself either. Yeah, and to that end, I think the things you always have to have on hand are those stories. You have to continue to keep yourself educated about what's what is your company delivering for customers out there. And you should be building if your if your company doesn't already have a list of this, you should be building your own list. And these story these stories are so crucial if you are to catch somebody on the line. You know, what do you say to them? It's these stories that you talk about. Um, of business outcomes. That's what that's what these customers are chasing if they have that potential problem. Uh, the best prospectors I've seen are constantly re- reading news articles. They're setting up Google Alerts for their customers if they make an acquisition or if they do something interesting in the community. They're using that as kind of a pivot or uh, a way to, or a reason really, to reach out to a customer to set up a meeting. And, and sometimes I... 
the longest game I ever saw was uh, one of our account executives in Texas had reached out to to the account to the uh, customer just to set up a meeting and had no ask, just wished him a happy birthday. Saw that he was promoted in his job, reached out to congratulate him on that. Um, wasn't being super aggressive with him, but was always noticing things, was always congratulating him on things about the business, coming across as a real professional. And sure enough, he gave him that meeting, and 18 months later, he won a massive contract out of it. I think that's the mindset, and we'll talk more about that in Episode 3 when we talk about always always have a prospecting mindset. Never give up on it. it, it every, every little effort does not mean that your funnel will be filled with a $10 million deal. It is at at the smallest of, of of efforts that these these multi million dollar deals start to occur, and the timelines can be short and long. Um, I, I jokingly say every well, it's not a joke; it's real. But every time I've ever lost a deal, I've put an opportunity in my CRM for two two and a half years out, knowing that that customer was going to probably be renewing that technology and give me a shot to to see it. If every rep was doing that at every tech company prospecting would be easier because we'd all know where the low-hanging fruit was and i just think we lose and we give up and we move on and 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 we because we don't think we're going to be covering that account or whatever but that's it's short-sighted and that's not the mindset that we're trying to get get you guys all to think about now and so brian just talked about the story right well how many stories do you have how many stories with with reflection do you have and when i say with reflection i mean Okay, customer did this. This is what I said they would do. This is what really happened to their business. This was the real impact, meaning the dollars they saved, the the productivity they gained, or the outcomes that you can really share. And if you're just, I see a lot of people at Dell, when I was at Dell, they would say, but our stuff's just the best. Well, is it? Like, tell me three things that that our competition does better than us. And they don't know it. And that's not good enough. I mean, not everybody's the best at everything, or there would only be one company doing everything. So you've got to know why you're not winning every deal, what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are, and you've got to be able to put those into stories. I don't remember the title of the book, but I've, I've given a storytelling book to a lot of people, uh, and I'll put it in the show notes, but being able to tell your stories are key to your success. One, you, you talked about knowing your competitors too. And that we did this, the episode on cognitive bias. And one of those, one of the biases were thinking that yours, yours is the best, uh, in, in a certain scenario. And while we, while we probably wouldn't work for the company we work for, if we didn't truly believe in our technology, there are some redeeming qualities for our competitors products. The best AEs when they tell the story can help a customer profile where they're a good fit and where the competition is a good fit. And if you want to talk about a way to, to build trust with a, prospective customer or an existing customer you're trying to sell more into know that if you know that uh, you're going to be very hard to stop i would say one of the things that i do is i I practice when i'm in my car what would i say to someone i read billboards and i say how would i solve that with my technology whatever the business problems on that billboard Uh, and i i mentioned this in other other podcast episodes but are you really ready to tell that story? And if you think you are, I, I implore you to send me a note on LinkedIn or an email. I'll pick up the phone and I'll call you and I'll act like I'm the biggest CIO that you're chasing and you can you can test your story on me and I'll be happy to give you candid feedback. Um, it's not easy and it's probably a little bit scary. And if you think I'm joking, I really will do that. So try me if you're listening today. Um, the, the stories and the ability that you have to tell that message on your first pass 
is the difference maker. Think about it. I tell everybody all the time, people buy from us the same way we buy uh, technology or, or food or cars. Brian just bought a nice new car and yeah, he didn't buy that on happenstance. And I'm sure he didn't get the discount he wanted to get either, but he still bought the car. So when, when someone asks you to buy something, why don't you say yes every time? What is the the feeling that you get. Go through and practice those things so that you can have your story down pat and that you're always ready for that that meeting when you have it. And speaking of, the very first series we did in the in the uh, on our podcast was around uh, getting ready for that first meeting. And and if you're a territory rep that has 250 customers, maybe you can't invest the time it takes. And is what we recommend. That's kind of the we kind of show you a worst case to to best case scenario there. But being ready for that meeting is so critical. We talk about it all the time. We invest hours and hours and hours prospecting to then show up. Bobby, I would say it's easily half of the meetings I'm in, maybe maybe, maybe more than that over the years. Um, the account exec is not prepared for the meeting. It's They've not read the earnings report. They don't know intricacies on how that company makes money. Uh, they don't, you know, it's just an assumption. You're in the tech industry, so this, that, and the other may be true. It's It's... Lazy at best, um, theft at worst, maybe. Yeah, theft company resources. Yeah. I, well, I, I we were just talking football before we started recording this episode. I would say in today's world, if you don't know what college a person went to that you're going to meet with, you are thieving from your company because it's just it's 101 stuff. And yes, it does. That might not sound like prospecting to you, but that's prospecting to you. If you're going to a meeting and you're going to meet Brian and you go to his LinkedIn page and you don't see at least somewhere he went to college to be able to have in your your arrow quiver, where you stick your arrows, in that quiver, you don't have the college he went to to bring up if you need it or want it, then, then you're falling short on what you should be doing to prospect. Now, the reason that's prospecting is because... That college has a football team. That college is going to win or lose football games. That person's going to care about it. And you can have a relevant conversation without without having to be the sales guy that says, how many do you want to buy today? Indeed. So I think we've got two call to actions for people. Go back, listen to the sales productivity <laughs> series, because that will get you caught back up. If you feel like you're underwater, you just don't have the time to do this kind of work that it takes you're you're robbing yourself of success. So get get yourself in order. Get your schedule in order. Get your week in order. We we spent I think it was a three part series. We spent a lot of time talking about best practices there. It was one of our most listened to series. Go back and listen to that. And then also go listen to the series around meeting preparation. Again, that was one we released in uh, January of 2018, and that was also a very highly listened to uh, series. And we have a lot of tools on the website techcellshow.com where we help you get prepared for that meeting. Yeah, I guess we don't call out those tools as much as we used to, and, and we probably need to, and we, we probably should create some more tools. But um, today, it's all about filling your funnel. It's all about having a new business mindset. Uh, with that, we'll wrap up today. Reminder, go subscribe to Pigeon TV. That's P-I-J-N.TV. Enter promo code TSS. You'll get double the entries into their cash prize drawings that are happening weekly. And you'll also learn some really cool tech stuff. Pigeon TV, it's the insight you need regarding emerging tech companies along with the prize money you deserve. Go subscribe today. It takes 30 seconds. It's great stuff. Love what Phil and the Pigeon TV team are doing. 
As always, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Don't be average. And thanks for listening to the Texel Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.